In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Welcome everyone to another episode of Underdog. Today we have a very special guest, Dave Seymour. After 16 years as a firefighter and paramedic, Dave Seymour launched his career, rapidly becoming one of the nation's top real estate investors. Within his first few years, Dave had transacted millions of dollars of real estate and had become one of the nation's leading experts in both residential and commercial transactions. His unabridged passion for business and real estate put him on the radar of A&E's television network, as well as multiple news organizations like CBS, ABC, CNBC, Fox News, and CNN. New York Times reported that Dave Seymour's series, Flipping Boston, posted the highest ratings ever for the A&E network at the time of airing. Dave has been sought after as a tell-it-like-it-is mentor and motivator in the real estate world with a track record of unmatched success everywhere he reaches. Dave is well known for doing business alongside investors of all experience levels. He has partnered with investors on their very first real estate deal, as well as guided some of the largest investment firms in the nation through complex transactions. There is no one more committed to the success of other investors than Dave Seymour. Dave's greatest joys come from being a husband and a father, both of which are his true motivation for all that he does. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, we have an awesome guest here with us. Tune in for part A of his interview, Dave Seymour. So honored to have him. Dave Seymour. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Pamela. How are you? How are you? Great energy. man. <laughs> it's like I said before we started recording. Red glasses, great big smile. I love you already. Like, like attracts like. You know what I mean? Just people with good energy. So, so I'm well. Even if I wasn't fantastic before the call, I'm fantastic now. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're so awesome. I'm so blessed to have you on the show. As I was mentioning before we started recording, I've looked up to you and been following you and been connected with you for such a long time. And I'm like, I got to meet Dave at some point in my life. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that we wait till COVID when we're not allowed to like give each other a hug or anything. And, and then we get to meet, right? I'm a hugger, by the way. I like, I like to squeeze, you know, press the flesh, right? Virtual hug, high fives, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I, uh, it's crazy. This, uh, you know, this pandemic is really, it's separated kind of like the wheat from the chaff, the people who can reinvent and the people who can't, you know, and um, I've been, I've just really enjoyed. Uh, it's such a bad way to frame it. I, I haven't enjoyed it, but I've been inspired by watching how, you know, entrepreneurs can pivot and reinvent themselves during this crazy time because we can't hug. We can't shake hands. We can't, well, we can, but we're not supposed to. Shh, don't tell anyone. You know what I mean? So it, it's a dynamic time to see, you know, six months, eight, eight months from now, 
who's ahead of the curve and who's trying to play catch up and and who got left behind you know what i mean so it's interesting for sure it's an interesting time too because i mean it's it's all about pivoting you mentioned a really important thing is pivot right the most successful entrepreneurs that i know in the world know how to pivot ridiculously well like they you can yes. throw them whatever you want boom 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 it, Right. It, right. 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 Let's put it into lemonade, then somehow make slush. You just don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. Dave, so I've been super inspired by you for a long time now, and I'm so interested in your story. I like you. I'm an immigrant to the United States of America. Shh, don't tell anyone. I was following like a different story, if you will. I was very much driven and educated in the world of, of blue collar, right? Eight hours of solid work for somebody else and you get a paycheck. I think that's an underdog story right out of the gate. The, the financial education that I received as a European, uh, maybe you did in Albania as well. It wasn't, the financial education wasn't designed for financial freedoms. It was designed to stay in the box that was created by my father and his father and his father. You know, not with any malice, you know, it's just, it was passed down. You, you know, the world needs ditch diggers. And that sounds so hoity-toity and, and a-hole-ish. But the truth of the matter is, is there will always be ditch diggers and there will be employers and employees. And I was a really good employee to the tune of 120 hours every single week, trying between three jobs, right? Trying to, trying to make, make ends meet and fulfill this American dream that I had signed up for when I came to this country. And um, I was a firefighter and a paramedic. I, I worked in the city of Lynn, right? Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin. You never come out the way you went in, you yeah. know, and uh, I saw some stuff. I got to see, you know, how people can be terrible to each other. I got to see miracles. I got to see tragedies. You know, I lived a, a, an edgy existence while I was doing that job. And, and I'll be frank with you. I loved it, man. I loved it. I love fighting fires. I love the, the shootings and the craziness and the the uh, drug addicts and the floppers and the flippers and the flappers. I mean, I'd, <laughs> my feet were on that street 24-7. I, I mean, it was crazy. But it didn't take care of me or my family financially. And, you know, I get that second job and the third job. And then it's like, how on earth can you maintain a marriage if you're never home? And how can you be a father to a son if you're never home? And I paid that price. So I've never forgotten where I came from, ever. Ever. I've never forgotten that. And the amount of time that was, you know, spent outside of the home, the price of that just got higher and higher. And I, I said this on, a, on a, a meeting or a podcast I was on earlier on this week. You know, it's crazy. We, we, we go to work or I was trying to go to work, trade time for money so that I could be a provider to my family. Right. That was the goal of it. So I could have a, a good, happy family life and you need capital to do that. Right. And <laughs> son of a gun they forgot the part that said you can't be with your family while you're working right <laughs> right they forgot that piece of the equation for me and it cost me a couple of marriages cost me um almost cost me a relationship with my now 25 year old son robert and you know those were dark days pam i mean i wanted to be the best i could be but i was beaten i was beaten up i mean I'm like 34, 35 years old, something like that. And I was like, I'm done. I'm okay checking out right now. Like I can't do this anymore. Like serious misery. It was late 2007, I think it was around that time. I had trusted a local attorney 
because I had said to this guy, I said, look, man, I, I got some construction background being in the fire department. Uh, I'm not financially literate. I'm not contractually literate, I said, but I'm a man among men. You know, I'm a worker among workers. Yeah. You can get on my back and I'll carry us across the finish line. Let me find the houses, Mr. Attorney. Can you find the money? And he went, you find the right deal, I'll find the money. And he lied, man. He never paid anybody. I, I ended up with a $125,000 judgment on my primary residence, uh, which I had refinanced three times because I was a financial idiot. I owned a house in Lynn, Massachusetts <laughs> at a market value in 2007 of probably, I don't know, two and a quarter. And I think I owed 420 on it, <laughs> something like that. So Whoa. yeah, I, I'm your underdog baby. I, I am your underdog for sure. Um, you know, I was losing my house when my career started. Uh, it was in pre-foreclosure. I had $70,000 in unsecured debt and I'm working 120 hours a week and going through a divorce. How do you like them apples, right? God. So that was the darker days, if you will. And then for me, I, uh, you know, I have some faith in something bigger and better than me. It's not always an organized religion, but it's, it's definitely a case of staying grounded and knowing that there's a universe that works if you talk to it. Mm. And I wasn't talking to my universe. I was screaming and shouting at it. <laughs> I'm like crying my eyes out and like, ah, ah. And as I'm sitting in my F-250 pickup truck, crying my eyes out like a baby, you know, contemplating my life and what I've done wrong. And uh, a commercial came on BZ Radio, Teach Me Foreclosure, a free one and a half hour seminar coming to your neck of the woods. And I went, okay, I know those investor guys make money. They do, because I've, I've dug the ditches while they walk around pulling up in their nice cars. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know there's works. I got to go figure out how to do it. And that, madam, was how it started. I, I went to a seminar and the guy started talking about a different way of thinking. You know, trading time for money was always going to be capped. There was always going to be a ceiling on it because there's only a certain amount of hours in the day. And he said to me, how can you figure out in life a different scenario? He said, what if instead of you working for money, you figured out a way to have money work for you? And that was the first time in my life I ever heard that. And I'm like, what is this guy on crack? What does he mean? <laughs> and he then began to teach me some secrets of the wealthy. He taught me about... Being able to delegate, let somebody else do the work. He taught me things about mentorship. He said, it's not that difficult to create a new life if you can model it off of somebody else's successful life. And I'm like, yeah, but what, what am I going to do? I'm a firefighter. I'm a construction guy. I'm not dumb, but I, I don't have all those financial degrees. And a guy said to me, he said, David, write a list of the 10 things that you do well. Write a list of the things that are great about you. And that's a really weird thing to do. You know what I mean? It's weird to write down 10 things that are great about you. And it took me some time to do it. He then said, okay, now how can you bring those skill sets that are you, uniquely you, how can you bring those to the marketplace in a sense of value for somebody else? And I went, hold on a minute. What do you mean me do something for somebody else? Don't you know I'm dying on the vine here? You got to do something for me. He said, and that, my friend, is your biggest mistake. I went, what do you mean? He said, if you spend your whole life waiting for somebody to do something for you rather than you figuring out a way to do something for somebody else, 
he said, your life will never change. And it was like, like he gave me a backhander, like he slapped me, you know, and I, my reality changed that day. And you know what? It's got nothing to do with real estate and it's got everything to do with real estate. Yep. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we said it before we started recording today. It, it's the people that I meet, you know, I, I've, one of the things that I wrote on my list and it was hard to write down because it sounds so egotistical, but consistently in my life, people have said when Dave walks into a room, they know he's there, right? Like oh. there's a presence, like he's got a big character, ah, right? Dave <laughs> Seymour's here, right? And I took that big character out every day and I fine tuned it. And, you know, I learned the power of, of network and network and correlating with net worth. Look, I'm doing all the talking. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I'm just loving it. I'm just loving the story. I'm just listening. <laughs> I have questions for you later. Don't worry. <laughs> so I, just, I implemented what I invested in. Listen to me. I didn't spend anything. My wife did. Uh, I had met Mary Beth, my wife, in the labor and delivery room at Salem Hospital. That's where I met my wife. She was a labor and delivery nurse, and I was a paramedic in training. And we fell in love delivering another woman's baby. Not the sexiest of places to start a romance, just to be very honest with you. But uh, I don't know about you. I, I'm a believer in right place, right time. Uh, you know, God is good. He sends messages. It's just up to me to, you know, pay attention. Those that seek shall find. It's kind of like that mentality. But, you know, Mary Beth and I met there. And, uh, you know, she's a rock that I get to stand on today so I can look cool, you know. I mean, I might be the big, how do you do out here? But when I get home, mama's in charge. And, um, (laughs) you know, we went to that seminar and it came to the Sunday. And this guy had had started renting space in my head, this speaker, this trainer. And the the support team that was there. And we had a choice to do something or do nothing different. That was the choice, really. And it was, a, I think, $27,000 investment in our education classes. And it was like five different classes didn't even come with a mentor or a coach. It was just five classes. And I looked at Mary Beth on that Sunday morning. We needed to make a decision to do something different. And I said, what do you think? She said, well, what do you think? And and it was emotional. I cried like a baby. I said, Mary Beth, I can't keep doing what I've been doing. I can't do this anymore. I said, it's costing me. Look, it chokes me up years later. I said, it's costing me my health. It's costing me my relationships. It could potentially cost me my life. Because if I'm not on my game in a fire, if I'm not on my game in a, at a shooting in the streets, if I'm not on my game on a construction site, if I'm not on my game, I can die. She looked at me and she said, are you going to do this? I said, I don't have a choice. And she said, go get him, killer. She said, I'm proud of you and I love you and I support you in anything you want to do. She gave me permission that day to be wealthy. She gave me permission to be in transition, right? And to move from where I was to where I knew I always wanted to be, but didn't have a clear path to get there. And it's the funniest story. The guy whose class, I can say, I don't care. It was the Whitney organization was the company that we enrolled with. Uh, And Whitney was a global real estate education company back then. And the owner of the company is a gentleman by the name of Russ Whitney. They had some challenges. We'll just leave it at that. Russ had to go somewhere for like 90 days and then come back. And then when he came back, he wasn't CEO of his own company anymore. And the funniest story is five classes, 27 grand. Two and a half years later, myself and Russ Whitney 
are keynote speakers at some huge event somewhere because I got a TV show by now, right? <laughs> and, and I see Russ and I'm like, hey, Russ, Dave Seymour, nice to meet you. Flipping Boston, my TV show, I'm speaking with you. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't know who the hell I was. And I'm like, hey, man, I said, I just want to let you know, Russ, I'm a Whitney student. He goes, oh, that's great. I paid for five classes. I only attended two. Can I get a refund on the other three? <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy and he just kind of walked away like, who's this freaking lunatic? But it's true, right? My success today wasn't even predicated on the implementation of all those classes. Here's an underdog message for you. Figure out how you can be accountable for what it is you say you want to do. I purchased accountability and it came in the form of $27,000 on my wife's credit cards. No turning back. You know, Tony Robbins says, burn the bridges. I burned 27,000 bridges to hold myself accountable because talk is cheap. Talk is real easy, right? Right. Implementation, truth, integrity, honesty, deliverables, and that big old dirty word again, accountability. For some reason, it's not the first deliverable that, that people have, Right. I don't know whether it's because we're beat up or we're hurt or we got challenges, whatever. I'm not a therapist, though I have paid a few in my career. It's interesting to see how being accountable to yourself is absolutely a driver, right? You talked about at a young age, your, your family's pizza shop, and then you worked in there as quick as you can. And at you know, 12 yeah. years old, you're working in there, 18, you're running the joint, 23, bump, 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 bump. Yeah. You know, it's progression. It's in motion rather than you know, people tend to want to do lateral all the time. They think they're moving forward and really they're just going sideways because they're shit scared of doing anything different, right? Anything different that's going to bring any sort of risk, you know, but it's like high risk, high reward. And it's like, yeah, you want to settle and just stay there or you want to shake things up and keep moving no matter how scary it may look, right? For sure. That's the hardest part. Like you said, the first thing you said was execution is the hardest. I yeah. always see people, I'm like, you could have the most, talented human being in the whole wide world doing something right? right at the end of the day if that person does not hone in on their talents and does not use them and execute with those somebody who's working 10 times harder than that person that has the talent to develop those skills is going to win it and that's that you know for sure for sure yeah. You know? so it's, it's absolutely fascinating what you're saying so david so you talked about the dark side a little bit and that, that promises the only question for the dark side what was it that really helped you get through those moments probably so many people have asked you this question is how do you move past that rock bottom phase and like just keep going like what is it is it an affirmation is it an experience is it somebody who keeps you going a mantra yeah. like anything that helps you during those moments you know what? That's a great question, by the way. Every one of those moments of transition come in many different shapes and forms and feelings and external influences, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's no, in my opinion, again, there's no like one set of circumstances. If I can go very big picture with it, I'll put it at this. Don't ever give up. First of all, don't ever give up. There is always, and I mean this sincerely, there is always somebody worse off than you are. Take the pity me's and the victimization mentality and stick it up your arse, as we say in England <laughs> with a polite English accent, right? It has no place in progress. 
Self-pity, victimization is a nemesis to progress. Now, that being said, I don't doubt for one second that some people have faced very hard times. And here's the very big picture on it again. Those that seek shall find, and you cannot start seeking unless you choose to. And even if it's just minuscule increments, if it's watching 30 seconds of something positive instead of 15 hours of negative, whatever it is, like I was a graduate of the, the Law of Attraction and the, the Secret by Rhonda Byrne, which was a book that talked about, you know, it's a secret. Like we know it as entrepreneurs. Every day I get up. Yeah, they're not all perfect, but I always know it's going to be a great day because I choose to, right? I choose to have it be a great day. So I've met people who have been abused. I have met people, drugs and alcohol. I've met people who have been financially destitute. And I've met people who were born into millions and millions and millions of dollars and still haven't been able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So everybody, everybody has the ability to choose, to dream, and then to implement what they can when they can, and then hold themselves accountable. And don't be lazy. Don't tell me you don't have time. You do. Turn the TV off. Right. Wake up an hour early. Go to bed an hour later. And it's got to be passion. It's got to be something you're excited about. Not what your parents said you should do. Not what your friends said you should do. Not what your brother or your sister or that a-hole who's never done it but says you should do it, right? It's not those people. It's you. Guy said to me one time, truth comes at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what? He said, what was that thing that woke you up at 3 o'clock in the morning? He said, now go stand in front of the mirror and be truthful with yourself because nobody's watching. Nobody's making fun of you, right? That's your opportunity to be real with yourself and stop the blame game. You own it. Your life, your circumstances were created by you. Right. Were there outside influences? Yes. But how did you react to them? That's what you have control over. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference, right? And it's that kind of philosophy. So that's my best advice. And align yourself with people who are going where you want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love your mentality, by the way. And I've also Thank read you. The Secret and I'm all about the law of attraction and energy and really everything. But I just think it's fascinating that that's really what kept the inspiration going and the passion too for you. And you've had some really amazing people in your life, like your wife. I have. Just like, hey, like, you know, and so that's like your team, you know? So I, I was, people. I'm like, you need your team. Check this out. I'm sitting in the firehouse one night. It's early in my career, right? The guys are making fun of me because, you know, I'm on a different mental journey now rather than watching the Pats or cooking in the firehouse or doing what we did on our downtime. I was watching The Secret. I read the book and I started following the teachings of Jack Canfield. And Jack Canfield is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? So I'm doing the affirmation and sending it out to the universe. And if you believe, you can achieve. And I'm like, hallelujah, brother. I'm in. I'm there, right? I'm at the, I'm at the altar. I'm there, baby. So I throw it out there. I said, one day I'm going to meet Jack Canfield. And I threw it out there. And the most beautiful part of the story, tune in next week for the most beautiful part of the story. So that's it for part A of my interview with Dave Seymour. Stay tuned for part B.